and welcome to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, where we explore God's Word, not simply to learn more about the Bible, but to consider how to apply its wisdom. I'm your host, Svea Mary, and each week I'm joined by talented women from our congregation. We invite you to imagine yourself sitting here with us, enjoying a great discussion as friends about God and how His Word helps us take our next steps to become the women God intends for us to be. Welcome to week two of our podcast study of the book of Ephesians, a theme we're calling Live United. Last week, we launched this study looking at the first half of chapter one, and we saw in that section some beautiful work displayed by all three members of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all working united, but in their own role, to each bring us into the family of God. We saw that the Father chose us even before the world was made to adopt us in love into his family, which was made possible by the act of redemption by Christ, his Son, and what he accomplished for us through his death and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit seals the deal for all believers, guaranteeing that all who have been saved now will receive the full inheritance that awaits us all both now and in the life to come. It was beautiful truths that Jan and I got to start the series off with last week, and I'm so delighted that joining me this week to build on that amazing theology with the rest of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two is Michaela Park. Welcome, Michaela. Thanks, Savia. I'm, I'm glad we get to, to keep going on this. It was hard to stop last week when we just kind of saw this this amazing work of the Trinity. Uh, but I'm glad that now we get to pick it up here with verses 15 through 23 of chapter 1, where we're going to see Paul's description of what he's praying for the Ephesians. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful prayer, isn't it? It's a gorgeous prayer. And I love it because oftentimes it's not rare that we might tell someone that we're praying for them. But uh, but what a gift it is that Paul kind of writes out for these believers exactly what he's praying for them. Yes. Not just that he is, yes. but he's about to tell them, here's what I'm praying for you guys. Yes. Um, and just as a side note, I think that's kind of a fun application point from this passage that uh, how sweet would it be if we sent someone an email and said, you know, I was praying for you today. And here's what I prayed for you. Yes, I love it. I love that he, um, that well, we know historically he wrote this book while he was in Roman custody. Mm. So he had obviously uh, fear um, about his own safety mm-hmm. um, in the back of his mind, but he still prayed for these fellow believers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, what's so beautiful about it is that these believers were faithful and and he said um, also loved um, all believers, yeah. Um, and he still found found reason to pray for them. And we can we'll be talking about that more about what it is that he prayed for specifically. But yeah, this is very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, is just a wonderful place for him to start from as he's directing or addressing them directly. Mm-hmm. And this prayer is very much motivated by that theology of the Trinity mm-hmm. that we looked at last week. Uh, this idea of the spiritual blessings that God gives us through the work of the Father who chose to adopt us, the Son who paid the cost to redeem us, and the Spirit who guarantees our inheritance. But now he's going to start into this prayer with that wonderful phrase, for this reason, for Mm -hmm. this reason of what the Trinity did. Mm -hmm. He's going to tell them uh, what he prays. So why don't we read this prayer? Uh, Why don't you read 15 through 23? Okay. And uh, and then we can kind of pick it apart a little bit after that. Okay, sounds good. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Mm, It is beautiful. There's lines in there. I would love to know that there are people praying that for me. And I I am reminded of the beauty of praying this for other people, that Mm -hmm. That God, the, our Father, would give us a spirit of wisdom. Yes. You know, we want wisdom. That he would give us the spirit to help open our eyes, to have the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Yes. And uh, and that we would know some important things. And, um, you know, granted, we've, we've talked last week a little bit about Paul and his long run-on sentences. Yes. And, and what we're covering today is the same thing. These mm-hmm. are very, very, very long sentences. Uh, so maybe it's helpful just to kind of break down a couple of, of structural things. Do you want to help us pull out, Michaela, uh, three things that Paul is specifically saying that he wants us to know? Yes. Um, yeah, I, what I love is that he's not telling the believers to try harder mm-hmm. to know God, but to let God work on their hearts to minister mm. to them um, as God and Jesus and the Spirit to enlighten their hearts. I love that point. That's fantastic. And nice. I think it's easy for us to lose sight of that. But mm-hmm. uh, but that's going to be a theme that we're going to see as we keep progressing through yes. this book, that it is God's work yes. in yeah. us to do that. That's yeah. a great thing he's praying. So, um, so Paul prays for the believers to know God for the purpose of knowing three truths, and that is our hope inheritance, and the power that is available to us. Mm. Why don't we take each of those three in turn, mm-hmm. um, and we'll, we'll start with that, that idea that he wants us to have the Spirit so that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we can know these three things, first starting with hope. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that hope. All right. So what is hope? It's opposite of despair, okay. um, mm-hmm. but our hope as believers is... Um, is I think based on all the readings and what we've talked about is uh, is new life now and into eternity, uh, what we have looking forward to now and what we have looking forward to in the life beyond. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to say that oftentimes when we use the word hope mm-hmm. uh, in our everyday language, we usually think of it as being like something that we're wishing for yes. or that we're, we're hoping might happen. But yeah. that's not the way that the Bible speaks of hope. In mm-hmm. the Bible, biblical hope is always anticipation of a future certainty. Yes. It's never the idea of wishful thinking. It's always this idea that, that what we know to be true about God is what gives us hope. It's yes. what fuels us to, to be confident to keep going yes. in our faith, that it's, it's a solid hope that should bring us great joy and yeah. peace and confidence. Um, and would you say that hope is married closely to faith, mm-hmm. right? Knowing, knowing what we know about God, and this is what Paul is praying, knowing what we know about God, we have this hope. Yeah. And... Um, and the hope of walking with Jesus, knowing him, 
loving others and being able to walk through suffering because we have something to look forward to. Absolutely. And and the hope, like you say, being married with faith, the hope is what allows us to keep going in our faith. We mm-hmm. know it's not an empty faith that yes. we're just making things up or or trying to construct something in our own minds that might be pointing us to something greater. But it's the hope that we have, this mm-hmm. this guarantee of what God has told us is true mm-hmm. that fuels our faith to keep going. I love this idea of that it's the hope to which God has called us. Yes. You know, a lot of times we talk about God's call in relation to things like maybe a call to ministry, Mm -hmm. or people will ask if they've received a call to missions Mm -hmm. or different things like that. But when was the last time that you stopped and thought of God calling you to hope? I just... Right. It's think, not something we think of. No, <laughs> right. I think it's uh-huh. it's a beautiful concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came out a little bit recently in Pastor Rick's sermons on Colossians 3. There's a line in there about us being called to peace. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, kind of a neat idea that, that God calls us to a lot of things, including things like to have hope yeah. and to live in peace. I love that. Yeah. So Paul wants us to know the hope that that God's called us to. The second thing that he is wanting us to understand is the riches of his glorious inheritance mm-hmm. in the saints. Oh, yeah. I, this was this was actually really eye-opening to me because when I was reading from verse 1 in chapter 1 to the section that we're talking about, um, in chapter 1, verse 11 and 14, it talks about the inheritance that we anticipate and mm. um, through in in Christ and but verse 18 here says we ourselves are God's inheritance mm. and to me that was uh that was amazing to think that the God of the universe it looks forward to to a glorious moment when we can he can inherit his people that he set apart for himself mm, that's beautiful very beautiful Uh, And then the third thing, he wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of his power Mm -hmm. toward us who believe. And then he goes on and describes that power in the the working of Christ's death and resurrection and then the role that Christ plays for us. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't Don't you love that phrase, the immeasurable greatness of his power? Mm-hmm. Not even something we can quantify. It's immeasurable. Yeah. And I think there might be some confusion Perhaps, and what does this mean for um, for Christian, for a Jesus follower? What does this mean to have this power available to mm. us? Mm-hmm. And um, so, do you have clarity on that confusion? <laughs> I, I think so. Maybe in a little bit. Uh, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, but God's power is demonstrated in these ways through Jesus, uh, in His resurrection authority and His headship over the church mm. works in us to transform our lives, to lead a more godly life, to proclaim the gospel, to share it with others, and to endure through the suffering that we know that we will face in this life. Mm-hmm. And well, it oh, is very powerful, <laughs> no pun intended here, mm-hmm. to realize that if God has the power to raise his son from the dead— to forgive all sins, all things that ever went wrong in the world, and to enact this plan that he created before he even made the world Mm -hmm. to bring all of us into relationship with him. If he can do all that, 
How much more can he do to help us walk through suffering, like you said, to help us uh, live united with other people Mm -hmm. that we fellowship with and that we worship with? I mean, if God can do that, if he has the power to raise Christ from the dead, Mm -hmm. how much more can he do for us? I love that. And I think that's a good bridge for us as we want to transition to chapter two, mm-hmm. um, that that Paul emphasizes the power that God had for raising Christ from the dead. And what he's going to start off talking about is how all of us before we're saved, we're in essence spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. And that it's that same power that God had to raise Christ that he can use to make us no longer spiritually dead, mm-hmm. but spiritually alive and thriving. Mm-hmm. So why don't we uh, go through uh, in chapter two, mm-hmm. um, verses one through seven. Now, this is another one of those places where apparently this is one long sentence that yes. Paul wrote with no breaks in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it helps us to, to look at this as one singular thought rather than chunking it up too much. So, mm-hmm. Michaela, do you want to read verses one through seven and then we can talk through this a little bit more? Sure. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's that's a, a pretty jam-packed sentence, isn't it? It is. It really is like a synopsis of the gospel. Yeah, it truly is. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good way of, of seeing Christ's work to, mm-hmm. uh, to bring us from being dead to being alive. Well, why don't we break it down just a little bit? Let's look at, uh, at that first section, verses 1 through 3, mm-hmm. uh, where Paul is describing us being spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, he talks about the influences that we have that pull us away from God mm, mm-hmm. and um, talks about um, the influences of the world, mm-hmm. um, the prince of the power of air, um, the spirit that is now at work in the, in the sense of disobedience, which is the, the devil or Satan, and um, our fleshly um, wants, um, mm-hmm. our, f- our fleshly choices. And, um, and he basically is saying we have, we're influenced by this and we choose to make these choices that are, that draw, that pull us away from God and, and God being just and perfect cannot tolerate anything that is, is outside of, of holiness. Mm-hmm. And if we choose to, to, to walk away from God, to offend him in any way, we deserve condemnation Mm. um and so therefore we are dead in our trespasses we are dead in our sin Mm -hmm. and um i think there are a lot of people who may be put off or offended by that idea because they know people who are good Mm -hmm. but yet um what what the bible tells us what paul i think says here really beautifully is that none of us are 
unaffected by sin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that you brought that up, that some people can be offended by that idea, especially if they're looking at people they know aren't believers, Mm -hmm. but they're good people, Mm -hmm. you know, good in in quotes, so to speak, the Mm -hmm. way that we would typically use that word, Mm -hmm. being good. Um, But if you think of death, as separation, mm-hmm. which really in, in many ways is what it is when someone physically dies. We're then separated eternally from that person mm-hmm. um, until we're resurrected yes. to new life in Christ. Um, the same thing happens to us spiritually. We start off in a condition of being separated from God uh, when we are born into this world in in as Paul's saying here, in the trespasses and sins that we uh, that we lived in or that we walked in, mm-hmm. we start off in that condition. And it takes something to bring us out of that condition, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I think it's it's helpful. Um, I'm always trying to to simplify some of these concepts a little bit. I like that <laughs> that that we see Paul kind of describing these three forces pulling at us. Yes, that that when we start off our lives, we're being pulled by spiritual forces of darkness mm-hmm. um, what what he describes here is the prince of the power of the air or the spirit that's at work in the sons of disobedience this things that are pulling us away from God mm-hmm. and then we're also pulled by these passions of our flesh or in other words just our own selfish desires the mm-hmm. things that we want to do to to feed ourselves um, literally and and yes. figuratively. <laughs> Uh, the things that we are doing to be self-indulgent, to be selfish yes. um, in, in regards to not caring for other people, but thinking of ourselves first, uh, that this is kind of a natural state. And boy, it's easy to see in our culture today, isn't it? Where oh, yes. Without people really seeking to live in Christ, mm-hmm. that that darkness and evil and self selfish, these are our behaviors that come very naturally to mm-hmm. us. I think so. Mm-hmm. But this third force that uh, we, we can transition to the second half of this uh, this section, this mm-hmm. third force is God. Yes. And that he's trying to pull us towards himself. Mm-hmm. And and I, I love this idea of like, I can picture people that are, are standing on a mountain and it's a steep mountain, and and naturally we're we're starting off our life on this mountain, and we're being pulled downward. Uh-huh. It's just too steep. It takes too much effort to climb up the hill, and, and these spiritual forces of evil are pulling us down. Our selfishness is pulling us down, but then God comes uh-huh. in, like in verse four. But God, being yes. rich in mercy sees us being pulled down by these forces and reaches out with this beautiful hand of power and Mm -hmm. strength and just grips us Mm -hmm. and pulls us back up to safety before we fall off the edge of the cliff. Oh, I like that. And it it just, to me, that that brings this picture to mind of God's grace. Yes. That he can see us in this desperate condition that we're in, the danger that we're in Mm -hmm. of being pulled down, Mm -hmm. but he pulls us up to safety. And it's not because we were great mountain climbers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we we may have gotten ourselves into a situation where there there would be nothing we could do. We're sliding too fast in the rocks or or the cliff is just too steep. We don't have the strength to pull ourselves up anymore. But it's God and his grace that reaches out and uh, and pulls us to safety. I love that visual because it's not. Yeah. Like you said, it is nothing that we have done to to draw us to God. God and God invites us. And it's it's out of this. His mercy and His great love and His grace that He has shown us in Christ, mm. um, and and in this section, as you had, as you had mentioned with Jan, um, 
the phrase in Christ is mentioned 27 times in Ephesians. Yeah. Um, but just in this, uh, this early part of chapter two, it's mentioned three times. Mm. So in Christ, through Christ, that God has done this work to draw us to him. Yeah. And, um, and I love, I love the beginning of verse four, but God, you know, it's not, but we recognizing mm-hmm. our sinfulness turn to God. It's, but God reached out to us, even though we were dead in sin, even though we choose to follow the in- influences of the world and be selfish, mm-hmm. but God still reached out. And I love that. Um, he took the initiative and, um, he did what the law couldn't do, which was to change our sinful nature in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and for the purposes of having a relationship with us mm-hmm. and to glorify his great purpose and himself. Yeah, it says in verse six that he raised us up with him and mm-hmm. seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I mean, you and I are sitting in a room <laughs> in Autumn Ridge Church and not in heaven right now. So obviously that doesn't necessarily mean literally, but I think mm-hmm. it's one of those spiritual blessings that he's given us, like he promised in the beginning of, of Ephesians 1, that uh, that who we are in Christ now even means we have some of this authority yeah. that he's given Christ. We have authority over over these forces of evil mm-hmm. and of selfishness to live our lives mm-hmm. in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that you brought out the in Christ part because we, we see a lot of in Christ here. We also see in the beginning of, of chapter two that there were places where we could have been in our transgressions or sin or in the passions of our flesh. Yeah. And uh, and I think this is a good reminder to us to, to ask ourselves, what are we living in, so to speak, oh, right I now? Oh, I like that. Are, are we in in selfishness or are we living in Christ? Mm-hmm. Now, recognizing that uh, that Paul is speaking more in the context of salvation here and all of us who have believed are in Christ, mm-hmm. even when we're not necessarily acting it, that, that our salvation is safe that way. Mm-hmm. But but I think it is worthwhile for us to, to think a little bit about that. One other thought that I had on this um, Michaela, you and I recently with a couple of friends got to go enjoy a, a really good movie. Oh, yes. About C.S. Lewis <laughs> uh-huh. uh, called The Reluctant Convert. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to that re- being released more widely so that mm-hmm. we can see that again and, and share that with some other friends. Um, but C.S. Lewis has kind of an interesting conversion story like this where you can really see God reaching out to him. Oh, yes. And he was very reluctant, as the title suggests. Mm-hmm. And he he admitted he was very reluctant to recognize the presence of God. He was just pretty much committed to being an atheist, and mm-hmm. he didn't grow up in, in, a, in a Christian home. But he grappled, and he um, had conversations with, and he... Um, he finally admitted God is there. Mm. And what, what I love about his story is that um, because of that recognition, his heart was enlightened, yeah. you know, with um, God ministering to him for him to be able to see life in such a different way. Um, where in verse seven, it says um, that God may show the immeasurable riches of his grace mm. and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Um, C.S. Lewis, through his conversion, then started to see people as immortals. Mm. And um, to me, that verse speaks to all of us as being sort of trophies of God's grace. Mm. God sees us and and displays for all the universe over all time um, us 
as a showcase of his grace. And C.S. Lewis, he used the words immortal beings, recognizing that we all have this immeasurable value um, that's been placed on us by an infinite God. And um, I thought that was so neat. That is beautiful. Well, let's transition to these last three verses of this section. And there are three verses that if you don't already have them memorized, these would be wonderful ones to have in your heart uh, because they're they're just such crucial verses about salvation. Um, I'm going to take these myself, if you don't mind. I love these so much. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We've been talking a lot already about God's grace and, and His him being the source of our salvation, that it was his plan that he enacted before even the creation of the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love the glimpse of this here, that uh, his plan was always to save us mm-hmm. by grace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then even more in verse 10, that we were created for this purpose of good works mm-hmm. that God already prepared beforehand for us to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a proper understanding of these verses uh, can really be uh, a renewing of our mind kind of experience yeah. when we realize it's not about how good we are to be mm-hmm. saved. It's not about doing enough, having a strong enough faith or being kind enough or or sharing our faith enough, any of those things, yes. that God's already saved us by grace. Yes. And the role of doing good is actually a privilege. Yes. Um, this idea that that even before we were created, God had a plan for how he wanted to use me, how he wanted to use you mm-hmm. and, and all believers to be part of that plan. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I have a quote here that I thought it was it was such a, um, um, it just, it just um, I guess it, it, I opened my eyes to what it means um, when Paul says, this is not your own doing, because sometimes we think that we have um, a part in this, um, in our salvation. Mm. But um, the quote is, um, it says, working for your salvation is nothing more than rearranging the chairs on a sinking ship. <laughs> and um, it kind of, I mean, it we, we really have to recognize it is all because of God, but God reached out to us. Yeah. And uh, remembering that it is all because he initiated the salvation plan. Yeah. And um, really, we just have to accept and um, have and trust that he's got this the work set out before us and that is living a godly life that pleases him and blesses Mm. others and Mm. blesses us in the process. Um, Well said. That's beautiful. Well, my heart's kind of full right now with Uh all of this. And and the only thing I feel like doing right now is, is ending this in prayer and thanking God for what he's done and join me in praying. Dear heavenly father, uh, just thank you. Thank you so much for, for reaching out to us to save us. God, I pray uh, that uh, that you would give us hearts of gratitude to recognize what you have done for us, that we would 
um, seek to live out our lives in a way that honors you, not because we think we have to earn something for you, because we don't want to cheapen what Christ already has done for us. Uh, but we thank you for what he did and for the, the security that we have in that because of the Spirit. Um, we, we do ask that you would give us your Spirit to open the eyes of our heart to know these things, and, and not just to know them with our head, but to know these things with our heart, that you've called us to hope that, uh, that there's an amazing inheritance here and that you are this God of power that can bring us from death to life. So I ask that you would help us this week live in light of those truths. We love you, Lord. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, a production of Autumn Ridge Church. We appreciate the technical assistance provided by Josiah Novinger, Ian Benoit, Robert Nash, and others from our wonderful staff. We'd love to hear your comments or questions on this or any other episode, and you could reach us at women at autumnridgechurch.org.